Hi. How you all doing? Really good to see every single one of you, especially if you're a guest. We're really honored and privileged to have you here. Uh, way to go, like especially on a day like today, way to go prioritizing all the things that this gathering is about, right? Like worship and community and growth and relationship with the Lord. Way to go putting an emphasis on those things uh, in your life. So we are in this series called Measuring Up to the 80s. It's absolutely rooted in sweet 80s music for sure, but way, way more than that. It's rooted in the mission measures of our church, right? It's rooted in the things that when we get these things right, we're like fist pumping and we're celebrating and we're high-fiving, not just like as a staff, but really as an entire church. These are wins for us because the things we're talking about through this series are at least some of God's wins. These things really, really matter, matter to the heart of God. And this is week number four in this series, so that means that you already all know, like you have embedded in your memories and in your hearts the three previous mission measures, right? Like you, you've got these things dialed in, right? And I see them all over your face right now. You're like, whoa, I got, yeah. So what's the first one? We, what do we do? We Oh, that's cheating. You all looked right here. That's cheating. We do. We cross the line. We as a church family, we're celebrating like big time when people come to faith in Jesus Christ around here. And then don't, don't put it up quite yet, but what's the second one? We get the rhythm, right? Get the rhythm, right? We get the rhythm. You hear from God and then what do you do? You respond. You hear from God and you respond to his guidance, which is Really a fancy way to say, you obey him, you do what he's asking you to do. That's huge, absolutely huge when somebody hears from God and responds in obedience to him, does what he's asking them to do. We celebrate that, it's another high five celebration. And last week, what did we talk about? Don't put it up yet, what did we talk about last week? Starts with a C, coach up your coaches, that's exactly right. Not too hard to remember, like spoon fed it to you, coach up your coaches, you and I, multiply the life of Christ that's in us into others, who will then multiply the life of Christ that's in them into others. Second Timothy chapter two, verse two, two T two two, if you wanna remember it that way, right? And I asked you, remember last week, I asked you who that person was. Who is that person who you're gonna go to and you're gonna ask them to come alongside of you so that you could multiply the life of Christ that's in you into them. And those of you who did that, that's huge. If you did that this week, that's huge. We're celebrating that around here. And you can still do that. If you haven't done it yet, you can still do it. Time's not up yet, but go and do that. So that's the first of the three of our mission measures. Cross the line, get the rhythm, coach up coaches. And that's what we're asking God to do more and more of around the life of our church. We want God to do more and more and more of that, which means, you know what that means, is we're going to have to order more and more and more of our lives around those things because they really, really matter. And we're not done yet. We don't just have three mission measures. There's more mission measures. Number four is coming up today. And uh, what do I have right here in my hand? What is that thing? Yeah, it is an onion, right? And uh, what, what would you say that I'm doing right now? I am peeling the onion, right? And peeling onions are like a unique thing because this certainly, all the stuff on the outside of the onion, the first layer, it certainly classifies as onion, right? I mean, that, like none of us would dispute that that's onion, but if you put that on your burger, how happy are you gonna be 
You're going to be grumpy, right? You're going to be like, oh, that's gross. That's not onion. And you peel the onion, right? And so I'm like down to the second layer already. And what you find, just because you've taken off the outer layer, which is kind of this crusty, nasty thing that protects the next layer down, just because I've got that off, it doesn't mean that everything's all rosy inside here, is it? Right? I kind of have to keep going and I got to get this next layer off. And you still don't want this layer on your burger because it's pretty gross, right? And, and you peel down, and what you find is just because you're peeling down, everything's not perfect underneath here, right? Like, all is not well, and you're, like, sometimes you look at the inside, the next layer down, and you're like, dude, what, did somebody play, like, baseball with this? Like, what did you do, softball with this? And you get, oh my gosh, you get down, and can you smell this? Like, can you, right? And this is what happens. When you peel an onion, it gets pretty gnarly, doesn't it? Right? You're, you're down inside here, and there's still nasty stuff going on in here. Hey, come back here. See? There's, there's like nastiness going on down here, and there's like hair on it now because it just hit the floor over there. And, and like it's not good still down here. You still don't want to eat this. It's getting down to the core. You want to get down to the good stuff. And, and whoa, my gosh. Right? Like, sometimes your eyes start to sweat when you peel an onion and it's thinking, can you smell this in like the front? Yeah, you can smell this. And it's hard, you know, I'm having to like get onion under my fingernails to peel this, but I'm not stopping because why? Because I want to get down to the good, the really good. Like when you're cooking with an onion at home, you don't stop just because it gets hard, because it gets smelly, because your eyes are watering, because you're committed to peeling this onion because you need this onion to do something magical. You need to make it bloom or you need to slice it up and dice it and saute it in your kitchen. You don't stop just because it gets smelly, just because it gets hard, just because, but it's getting, look at that, it's getting Pretty, you just keep going, and you keep going, and you keep going until you're like down to, like, what is that? That's like the beautiful stuff, right? It's like the core, getting to the core of the onion, the part that if you slice that off, you would want that on your burger. This is what you want on full display for everybody to see and taste and experience and know this right here. You persevere, and you peel off all of this crud right here, and, and then you take some lemon juice, and you put it on your hand so you don't have to smell like an onion for the next hour or two, and you wash it all off, and oh, that stings, cuts on my hand. Yeah. And onions are a lot like people, aren't they? Onions are a lot like people. We all Every person has layer upon layer upon layer of stuff in our lives that's built up over time, right? We're all busy. We're all on the move. We're all trying to be upwardly mobile. We have stuff to do and places to go and people to see. And when we get beat up out there in the world or when we have some traumatic thing happen to us or when we don't want to deal with something that somebody says to us or something that somebody said about us, what do most people do? They just cover it up. They just cover it up. 
They just grow real thick skin over that part of their emotions or that part of their soul or that part of their heart and they just keep right on going because we got a lot of stuff to do because we got a function to do all of the stuff and I can't have this wound, I can't have this damage exposed. What in the world would people think? What in the world would people say? How in the world would people respond if they knew that about me? If I peeled it all away and people saw the real authentic me, what would they say? And we get kind of freaked out about that. We get kind of worried about that. But hear me, layering up like an onion is not God's best for anyone's life, no matter how many layers deep their stuff goes. Which is why as a church family, as we're measuring wins We say it like in an almost non-negotiable sense that we must peel the onion, which means that we must intentionally deal with the layers of junk in our lives. It means that I'm going to actually identify and I'm actually going to process the stuff and the garbage and the damage and the woundedness that's preventing me from being the person who God made me to be. It means I'm going to have to, if I want to get through all of this junk, I'm going to have to invest in trusting relationships that allow me to be entirely transparent about anything and everything in my life. I'm not layered up. I'm not covered up. I'm not scarred over. I'm not scabbed over. I'm transparent. It all really is about showing, well, these guys can sing it a whole lot better than I can say it. You should listen to this. You with the sad eyes Don't be discouraged though I realize It's hard to take courage In a world full of people You can't lose sight of it In the darkness inside you makes you feel so small But I see your true colors shining through I see your true colors and that's why I love you so don't be afraid to let them show you true colors true
never be afraid because your difference is the difference we live in a time where to be yourself is hard and the way you really feel can leave you emotionally scarred but stay strong stand firm and never back down being yourself is the only way to act now trust me i'm a fighter and a lover but the only time i fight is to reveal my true colors you know people they don't like to peel the onion of their lives do they most people don't like to show their true colors because when one peels back one layer of stuff and they try to deal with it what happens there's, there's like another layer of stuff right another layer is revealed and pretty soon the good the bad and the ugly of our lives is like right there it's all right out in the open and that causes us to feel vulnerable it causes us to feel exposed it causes us to feel out in the open and you know what we're really afraid of, don't you? We're afraid that people aren't going to love us, they're not going to accept us for who we really are if they know everything that's going on beneath the waterline of our lives. People think that if I let someone else see my true colors, if I peel back all the layers and I get to the core, the real core of who I really am, who God really made me to be, I'll be rejected, I'll be cast out, I'll be left behind. That's been the case for people ever since the fall of humanity in the Garden of Eden, hasn't it? Humanity, us, every single one of us, have been trying to cover up our junk and keep it all covered up. Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. At that moment, you know what that moment is, don't you? Right? Remember, God creates this spectacular garden, the most beautiful garden you can imagine. Gives everything that you could possibly desire, fruit trees that were beyond compare. He creates everything as we know it. Places man and woman in the garden, first man, first woman, and gives them like free reign. Have at all of this except, right? That one tree. You can touch it, you can look at the fruit, you can just don't eat it. Right? But it was like a magnet. And with a little help from the little serpent, they got sucked right in. And they take a bite, and at that, that's the moment. That moment, their eyes, first man, first woman, were opened. And they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. 
And so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. That was the moment in human history right there when humanity, all of us, started to add layers to cover up our junk. But God didn't make anyone. He didn't make you. He didn't make me. He didn't make anyone to live beneath the layers of covering. The layers of pain, the layers of shame, the layers of damage from past or present. And it's one thing for us to hear that, right? It's one thing for us to even know that in our heads, but our hearts very often don't buy it. And so we hide ourselves, just like Adam and Eve hid themselves beneath the layers because we get ashamed of the truth, we get worried about what people will think about our pain, what people will think about our damage, what people will think about our woundedness, and so we hide. And we hide beneath the layers because we fear the consequences of what will happen if people know the real us, if people know the truth about us. And you start doing that long enough, you live beneath layers long enough, you add too many layers for too long, and you get to this place where you start to feel like it's the truth that's the problem. That's really the core issue. I can't let people know, I can't let people see the real truth, the real me, who I really am. I can't ever let that get uncovered because if anyone knew that about me, if anybody knew that about me, if that truth was known, I'd be rejected. And what would people say if they knew that truth? Would people love me if they knew that that was the real me? And so like real quick, like the truth all of a sudden becomes a problem to us. And so we hide the truth, we cover over the truth, we layer over it, and we live beneath the layers, very often scared to death to peel even one back. Because when you peel one back, then there's another one. You peel another one back, there's another one. And when you peel another one back, there's another one. We're afraid to let anybody know the real us. But then one day along came Jesus, and he said, you know what? Jesus was real emphatic that the truth actually is never ever the problem. The lies that we cover over the truth with, that's the problem. The lies that so many people live to keep the truth of who they really are covered over, that's the problem. Because at least according to Jesus, the truth does this really amazing thing. John chapter eight, verse 32, and you will know the truth, and the truth will what? Free you, release you, uncover you. Truth sets you free. Truth cuts right through the layers of the onion, all the layers of the onion that is us, so that you can be released, so that I can be released to be the people who God made us to be. Speaking of layers, there's a story, Mark chapter 10, if you want to turn there, a guy named Bartimaeus, who like in an instant peeled the onion. Mark chapter 10, verse 46, then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Galilee, Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. And so they called the blind man, cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Shock of all shocks, he's calling you. Bartimaeus, check this out, threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. My rabbi, the blind man said, interesting, my rabbi. Not just rabbi, my rabbi, the blind man said. I want to see 
And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. Here comes Jesus and his disciples. They roll into the city of Jericho. At first glance, this sounds really exciting. Jericho is considered to be one of the world's oldest cities. There's tradition, there's character, there's history in this city. Just 17 miles outside of Jerusalem, this lush, beautiful area, stately sycamore trees, exquisite palm trees. They actually nicknamed Jericho the city of palms. It's on this trade route, all kinds of commerce. It is a city of great wealth, great glamour. Herod the Great made Jericho his winter residence. That's where he lived in the wintertime. Happening spot. What better place for Jesus to go and share his good, amazing, transforming news. And according to Mark, no sooner does Jesus get to Jericho, what's he do? He leaves Jericho. Why? Well, the narrative doesn't necessarily tell us why, but in all likelihood, Jesus actually never intended to stay in Jericho. He'd been there before, and the hypothesis I carry is that he knew the people of Jericho felt way too comfortable in Jericho. Because in Jericho, see, they worship gods who called on people to live the easy life, the convenient life, the life marked by money and status, ease, possessions, leisure, appearance. And Jesus knew that the God who called for sacrifice and compassion and forgiveness and service and generosity is not well received in a city like that. And well, what do you know? People haven't changed much in the past 2,000 years, have we? Sure, you talk about the idea of a God who loves you and cares for you, and all kinds of people's ears perk up. They're like, whoa, I want that God. But then you start talking about the God who challenges us to forgive someone who wronged us, not just one time, but like 70 times, seven too many times to count, and people are like, whoa. You start talking about the God who tells us to love our enemies who threaten us, oppose us, hate us, done bad things to us, and people are like, I don't know. You talk about a God who challenges us to give without any expectation of getting anything in return, and people are like, oh, I don't know about that. To refuse a God who refuses to take revenge, who tells us to refuse to take revenge, but instead to actually offer up the other cheek punishment there as well. A God who tells us to beware of consequences when we're angry with someone, well, then that God, what do people want to do with that God? You know what they want to do with him? They want to kill him. They want to crucify him because that's not comfortable, that's not easy, that's not fun, that's not feel good, is it? And so Jesus goes through Jericho. He leaves Jericho. And as he leaves, the text tells us what? A large crowd follows him. A large crowd follows him. But you know what that means? There will always be people who are quite countercultural, who want everything that it is that Jesus offers, everything that Jesus calls them. People who really, truly, honestly want to leave their old ways behind and give themselves to him, following him, living life all in. There will always be people who want to follow him. And as they leave, Jesus and all that crowd run smack dab into blind Bartimaeus. Here's this blind man sitting next to the road. 
and he's begging. And there's lots of things we could say about Bartimaeus. Yes, he's blind. Yes, he's a beggar. But what absolutely jumps off the page to me is that he's just sitting by the side of a road. That's weird. There's all the, it's a road, right? There's all these people coming and going, passing by. He's listening in on their conversations. He's imagining their lives. All the while, he's just, this is a road, and he's just sitting there alongside the road. And that's weird to me because what do you know about roads? Well, roads are made for movement, aren't they? Roads are made for traveling. Roads are made for going places. Not this road, not this guy, Bartimaeus. He just sits, going nowhere. And you talk about a guy who's layered up, who's got layer after layer after layer of stuff. Can you imagine? No doubt he's depressed. No doubt he feels hopeless. No doubt he's despairing. No doubt he's frightened. To live in the ancient world as a blind person was a perpetual fear fest. You never knew what was going to happen to you, who was after you, who was going to rob you, who was going to harm you. Layer upon layer upon layer. And so what's he do? Nothing. He sits, he begs, he exists, exists literally day to day. And not only can he not see the world around him, but he doesn't see any new possibilities for his future He's not even remotely close to being upwardly mobile. He's not going anywhere. And just like you'd imagine, if you were in his shoes over time, layer upon layer upon layer, disappointment, resentment, anger, regret, hopelessness, despair, grief, and more and more build up, cover over, layer up, and there he sits. And then, whoa, one day, And what a day that was. Along comes Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And Bartimaeus, he had obviously heard about Jesus, about his miracles, about his teachings, about his power, about his promises, even about his claim to be the Messiah, son of David, as well as son of God. You can almost see Bartimaeus, he's waiting until like just the right moment. And then he screams out, son of David, have mercy on me what's everyone in the crowd do? They tell him to shut up. Be quiet. Right? And is it any wonder why Bartimaeus is so layered up? You have people tell you to be quiet too many times, and what are you going to do? You're just going to be quiet for good. Right? You're just going to hide underneath it all. You're just going to pretend like you're not even there. But Jesus heard And Jesus stopped, and Jesus called Bartimaeus to himself. And all of a sudden, the blind beggar becomes the one for all of us to emulate. All of a sudden, he jumps up, he throws his cloak, and he runs to Jesus. And there's people who are like encouraging him, people who have probably been seeing Bartimaeus in that spot for years, who are like, whoa, this is a big deal. Cheer up, buddy. Now get this. In Jesus' day, most people wore two garments. There would have been an inner tunic. There would have been an outer cloak. Sometimes, if you were a person of enough means, you would have worn a loincloth underneath the inner tunic, like underwear, right, in other words. When you think about Bartimaeus, what's his occupation? 
beggar. This is not a man of means. He struggled, I assure you, just to have enough to eat every single day, which means that it would have been really, really unlikely that Bartimaeus could afford either a loincloth, either underwear, or even an inner tunic, which means, you see where this is going? That that cloak, that coat that he threw was probably, I'm not saying this is a for sure thing, we'll find out in heaven someday, that his cloak was probably the only piece of clothing that Bartimaeus owned. The only piece of clothing that he had. And the text tells us really, really clearly what he does. He jumps up, he goes running to Jesus, and he throws his cloak as he goes. It lands in his spot where he'd been sitting probably for years. Now you really see where this is going? Bartimaeus is very, very likely standing before Jesus. You see where this is going? Let's say the word together. Naked, yes. That's exactly right. Stark naked. Vulnerable, exposed, honest as the day he was born. No more layers. No more hiding. No longer stuck in neutral alongside the road. And with Jesus in sight, Bartimaeus was able to shed those layers that kept the real him hidden from view. He threw off his fear, his depression, his hopelessness, his despair, all of his disappointment, his resentment, his anger, and he stood right in front of the Savior of the world, ready to become the person who God made him to be. And this is amazing because Jesus Christ asks Bartimaeus the very same question that he asks every single other person in the world you included this question, what do you want me to do for you? That's like the ultimate customer service question. What do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus, he doesn't even have to think about it. I want to see again, he says. Duh. I want to see again. I don't want to hide anymore. I don't want to be hidden anymore. I don't want to be invisible to the world anymore. I want to leave my old life behind. I want to be who I'm meant to be. No more layers. Like Jesus, I'm extrapolating here everything Bartimaeus was saying. Jesus, peel them all away. Peel it all away. Every last one of them. And just in case you don't think I'm real serious about this, remember I'm standing in front of you naked right now. I mean business. Jesus, deal with my stuff. Jesus, deal with my junk. And the very same offer that Jesus made to blind Bartimaeus is extended, like I said, to every last one of us. Jesus stands before every last one of us and says, what do you want me to do for you? And I don't know about you, but I want exactly what Bartimaeus wanted. To tear through all those layers that keep the real me, the real me God created me to be, covered up. I want Jesus to tear through all of that. The layers that I add because I'm too afraid to let anyone see the true colors because I'm worried of what they'll think of me if they do see layers of frustration, bitterness, hurt, layers of habit, attitudes, behaviors, layers of shame, brokenness, pain. What does it look like for you to stand before the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, with all the layers peeled away and answer the question he's asking you today, what do you want me to do 
for you? What does it look like for you to be completely and totally open and honest, vulnerable, stripped bare before the Savior of the world and say, I want you, Jesus. I want you, Jesus. I want you to deal, Jesus, with all the layers, all my junk, tear it all away, one by one by one. I know, I know there's pain. I know there's risk. I know there's tears. I know there's stench. So that what's revealed is the core of who I am. So that I can be everything entirely that you, God, made me. That's what I want, Jesus. Take your stuff and set it aside. I invite you to close your eyes and bow your heads and move into a posture of prayer and listening to the Lord if you would. And I'm going to challenge you to name a few of the layers that God wants to deal with you about. You, you just know it. Just name it with him. You don't have to say it out loud. Just roll it over in your head and in your heart. Just declare a couple of those layers. Maybe it's shame and maybe it's fear and maybe it's embarrassment and maybe it's woundedness and maybe it's what he did to you and maybe it's what she said about you and we just declare maybe just a couple of those layers to him and then ask him to go to work on peeling like start with one and just peeling that layer away oh yeah that one oh yeah there's that and oh God I I don't know if I can I don't know about that you just name them you just declare them and you just say God would you go to work in your way and in your time, peel them away. And Jesus is absolutely the right one to take all of those layers to, first of all, absolutely. But then I gotta ask you this question, who is there in your life who can walk with you through that like maybe there's someone as you think about a certain layer of the onion that needs to be peeled away that God prompts you with a name that you just need to have a conversation with about that and the conversation probably starts like this I just need to tell you about this part of me Because see, peeling the onion, it's not meant to be a solitary process. Certainly there's you and God and he's always with you, but 
He means for you not to go through this process of peeling the onion alone. Who can walk with you through that peeling away process? And maybe you just name that person with the Lord and tell them you're going to invite them to walk this road with you. And tell them you're going to have that conversation. Hey, they might not even live around here, but you just got to pick up the phone and call them up and say, hey, I got this layer of stuff that I need the Lord to deal with me on. I need the Lord to peel this away. And I want you to walk with me. Help me. I want you to help me. And then I think there's some of us who need to start the layer peeling process, frankly, just by getting square with God once and for all. Some of us, we've been living in enmity with God, in opposition to God, running from God, and right now, the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, is standing smack dab in front of you, and he's asking you, what do you want me to do for you? There he is. And some of us, our answer needs to be, I need your forgiveness, Jesus. I need you to forgive me. I need your salvation from all of my sin once and for all. And if that's you, if that's the answer to Jesus' question of you, what do you want me to do for you? You can right now get square with God once and for all. That starts by you joining me in prayer. By saying, I invite you to join me if this is you. Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need you to forgive me. I've been thinking I could work out the salvation deal all on my own. I've been thinking that I could earn it. I need you. I need what you did on the cross for me. And so here's everything I am. I'm asking you, Jesus, to save me I'm asking you, Jesus, to be the boss of my life. And this is me expressing all the gratitude I've got. Thank you. Thank you for bearing my sin. Thank you for giving me the gift of eternal life. I trust you, Jesus, with my everything. Here's my heart and life. And if you're someone who's stepping into the saving faith of Jesus Christ today, that's the biggest decision of your whole life. So big that around here we ask people to tell us when they make that decision. I'm going to ask you to do that with me right now. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. It's you, me, and God who are looking on in this room right now. If you prayed with me just then to step across the line of faith in Jesus Christ, would you right now be really brave and slip your hand up and lock eyes? You can do that right now. Right now. You in the back. Yes. Way to go. Yes, sir. And you, ma'am. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Thanks, God, so much for bringing salvation to these today. Wow. We stand in awe of what you're doing. And we ask, God, that that process would 
continue in every single one of us. That stepping into faith in you wouldn't be like this one-time thing, but it would be this ongoing journey, this relationship with you. And that Jesus, you'd help all of us cut through the junk, the layers that they would be peeled back and peeled away and torn off. That the real you, the real me that you created would be visible on display. And that people would see you in all of us. And that the fear and the shame and the embarrassment and the pain and the tears and the smell and the... Jesus, that you deal with it all. Deal with us. Deal with our junk. desperately Jesus need you and we cast all of ourselves at your feet thrilled at what you're doing in us you are the best Jesus and we avail ourselves to your heart work that you want to do in us